serious? Are you serious? There's a little of that old tiger magic. We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Roots Podcast. This is episode 47. Seven? 47 sure. of the pod. Thank you. We gotta for, start uh, counting. Thanks for coming in off the top rope with, with some factual information there, Matt, right off the bat. Good morning to you and a pleasure. Plenty to get to today. NFL free agency kicks up overnight. I thought we were going to wake up here and I was just going to bellyache about how the Bears have done nothing over the last week. And uh, we wake up to some big moves. We'll get to that. But first, we have Tiger in the news. Tiger is, is back, right? I, I think we can say that he's back. I hate that term so much because because <laughs> no we've tiger been, tiger we've been we, asking that question for tiger, the last five yes, years. Tiger as we knew him will never truly be back. No. The tiger we're looking for to come back is one that's competitive with the field every Sunday. We're never going to see the tiger who's you know pretty much guaranteed yeah. to win two of the four majors every year. That's not going to happen. But the, the tiger we're looking for to come back is the one that who's going to compete, who's maybe going to steal a major here or there and maybe steal some tournaments out along the way, too. That's the one we're looking to be back. And barring injury, he's here, so let's stop asking a question. Let's just <laughs> let's just analyze him for what he's doing on the golf course, and by all means, by all estimations of what he's done, he is looking healthier, playing better, feeling better, enjoying himself more than he has in the better part of a decade. And it's making for great golf. It's making for great moments, like on 17, unfortunately, 18. He doesn't give himself a shot. I'm going to I'm gonna stop myself short of questioning a 14-time major champion, Matt. But my first question to you is, off the 18th, knowing you need one, why two iron? Uh, I, I think he'd been... Like a 434-yard hole. He'd been taking that two iron. He'd been doing great with it, getting into the fairway. All week, and I understand you got to be in the fairway there on 18, but you got to at least trust a hybrid. I don't know if he has a hybrid in the bad. You got to at least trust a three wood there to get to bite a little bit more off of that, so you're not taking six iron into a really tough pin. I'm like, kind. I mean, I, I'm with you, and I did kind of think that was a little bit odd, but he put that right in the middle of the fairway where he needed to be. And I, if you feel a little bit more comfortable with where your swings at, what's been doing all week with going two iron, six iron, than you do, you know three wood seven or three wood eight then i mean who am i to he even came out after the round though and and questioned his iron play he said he was a little bit um inconsistent with his iron play all week and that's why he played a little bit more conservatively well if that's the case grip it and rip it off the tee and leave yourself uh, a short iron or, or or a long wedge like something yeah that's else a, you know what that's a fair point that. I, I i i see what you mean with the three wood there yeah. Um, driver, I can't blame him for leaving in the bag. He's still been he's been getting better with that the last few weeks, but he's still not where he needs to be. But he had been hitting that three wood pretty well, and I, I bet if you kind of gave him that option again, I think you'd see him probably pull out that three wood and yeah, try and, and give him a little better of a shot. But that said, I mean, he still gave himself a chance at birdie. Granted, it was a long one; he didn't hit that six probably as well as he wanted to, mm-hmm. but he still gave himself a chance at birdie there. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't want to go negative on it because I enjoyed watching Tiger so much this weekend and watching that whole tournament. It was great coming down the stretch. He had some fantastic names in the mix with Patrick Reed, Brant Snedeker getting back around the lead, Justin Rose, who I knew we were texting on Sunday. And I we thought both I kinda, was surprised we both kind of agreed. Off. Yeah, we both kind of agreed that that might be the name there at the end, mm-hmm. but he fell off at a tough stretch. I think 14, 15, 16, something went bogey, bogey, bogey. Mm-hmm. Paul Casey comes out on top, which was surprising to me because he, he's usually the type to be there at the end and then fall off. But to circle back around to Tiger, which I know we will at many points during this <laughs> podcast, but to circle back around to Tiger, you had to love what you saw around the greens, but I am worried about the play off the tee still because you're not going to be able to go to Augusta National hit two iron on nine of the 18 holes. Your driver is going to have to be on for the first major of the season. That's that's the hallmark of Augusta is tight driving windows mm-hmm. and long holes. You're going to have to hit your driver straight if you want to win the Masters. And I think that the Arnold Palmer Invitational coming up is going to be a huge sign a huge tell on whether or not Tiger 
should even be considered to be one of the names that that we're looking at as a Masters champion going into the week because I think his odds bumped up to he's the second he's the second so like twelve to one something like which, that which I don't I don't know if you could fade bets uh, like I don't know but I don't think if you could I could fade golf yeah bets, if I could if I could fade Tiger I don't think you can bet Tiger to not odds. win the Masters yeah but uh, I know those would probably be for some long odds but I think. That was a large overreaction having him now as the second favorite for the Masters. We haven't seen him barely hit a driver. Yeah, so I agree, my, but I think that's that was my more, biggest worry. That was more so, I think, because all the money started probably pouring in, so that was probably yeah. just an adjustment of the odds. But yeah. no, I'm with you. And the driver still has, I think, it's it's taken some positive steps. It seems like he's hitting more fairways than he did when he first started here mm-hmm. uh, this year. But like you said, it's still not where it needs to be. He still doesn't totally trust it yet. And I don't know if that's because he's still working on things, or if he didn't, you know, if he hasn't found exactly what he wants out of it yet. Um, I'm hoping that he kind of has a swing that he knows works, and he's still kind of trying to screw around with things and, and try and perfect it. Come time for Augusta, but he does have somewhat of a, a fallback swing, whatever to have you to, to get himself in the fairway, even if it sacrifices a little bit of distance. But long story short, I, he he did he played pretty well this weekend, but. You watched him finish second and nine under, and you can't help but think he left some shots out there. Like oh, that, that, That's why I think I'm a little bit encouraged because on Sunday – I mean, Augusta is an entirely different animal, obviously. That's, mm-hmm. that, that's not what I'm trying to say. But, I mean, come Sunday, you and I were texting. Like, he, he left so many putts there. He, he had so many chances for birdies yeah, and makeable putts. And he there just were a couple of 10-footers early in still, the round. he still had a chance on 18 to tie and force the playoff. And I, I think that's an encouraging sign that he clearly didn't have his best stuff uh, You know, come Sunday, and he was still right there. Yeah, I think that if that putter comes around, you could see Tiger winning a couple tournaments this season. And not just mm-hmm. winning tournaments, but winning them in Running Tiger-like fashion. Yeah. Where he could have been three clear of the field coming into the coming into the final couple holes there, but um, you got to make the putts. That, that, that's simply simply the fact. Around the greens, Tiger was great. I think that's another good sign. Is his hands are there because in previous comebacks that's hampered him big time. Oh, that was is, the Achilles' heel by far. Yeah, he couldn't get anywhere near the green, green. and it looks hole. like he, he's scaring the hole on a number of mm-hmm. pitches. Um, even made the one on Saturday. Did you, didn't you call that one? I did call that one. Or something along the lines that you, on you, Twitter, said, you said he'd hole one. You didn't call on that Twitter, particular hole. I said on Twitter he's, he's going to have to hole one of these coming up here and the roof's going to blow off the place. Five minutes later, buckets. I'm not going to take full credit, but... You, you, but you're not going to take full six, credit, but you're going to take... But you'll take 60% credit. credit. I'll yeah. take a little bit more than half of the credit. So well, Maybe maybe we can um, use that credit to get Tiger on the podcast. Perfect. Yeah. Well, I'm sure he's looking to do. I'm sure he's looking to do some podcast work. So, what to we'll you him. was the more impressive? They, they they aired two stats over the weekend that the I swing saw speed that, one. Or are you talking about the swing? I was speed gonna one? say the swing speed one, where he has he recorded the fastest swing on tour, or the Jordan Spieth has already missed more cuts in his career than Tiger Woods has. Definitely the Jordan Spieth one. I not I, to I'm make with you. Not to be not to make light of the swing speed one because that obviously that told me two things. It told me that his body feels clear and free. His swing's on point because you could swing it. You could look like you're swinging it as hard as you can. You could look like you're really coming at the ball and your swing speed not be there. When things are sinking up, that's really when you're getting the swing speed. Um, I'm worried that he's going to see that and that he's going to start really going after it, hurt his back again, whatever. Like that. That's a little bit more of a, even a deterrent for me is that, that swing speed mm-hmm. stat on Tiger. In terms of Spieth missing that many cuts already. That's normal, though. You are measuring him against immortality. That, I mean, that's why it's so impressive to me. It's yeah. just because, like, he, I know how he, we know how good Tiger was. We grew up in you know the age of his dominance and all that. But you you actually see that stat on paper on a screen. Like he only missed what what's it seventeen cuts in his entire career, and probably and think, two or three of them have come in the last two or three years. To, uh, yeah, and prior to that, there was that stretch after 08 where he had the surgery came back missed a couple cuts i think there's like seven of the missed cuts are in there too so during his dominance he missed something like nine cuts it's just it it, it, the consistent dominance is just what's you you see these guys have these flash in the pan dominance how good he was for so long it just it's still when, when you see stats like that it's just incredibly amazing to me yep and from the television business standpoint it was the highest rated golf broadcast non-major since 2015 so if there's any doubt that um 
that Tiger still moves the needle. There's your there's your evidence right there. Valspar was, just had to be thrilled. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people just buying paint this Monday morning, mm-hmm. coming out. Hey, honey, should we paint this room? I'm thinking we go Valspar. Yeah, Valspar looked like I've been seeing that a lot lately. <laughs> that could be a good one. Yeah, I don't know why, but we should we should head over to Valspar, repaint the basement. Um, so definitely, definitely good stuff there for any tournament that Tiger's going to play in. I think he he's in action now at, at the. He'll be in action this week, correct? Arnold Palmer uh, yes, Invitational he's, he's at Arnold week. Palmer, and then he's yeah. done before so until Augusta. Bay Hill, a place that he's won, I believe. This is a guess, but he's won there seven times. I, at that's Bay the Hill? number that was uh, was sticking out in my head too. I was thinking, yeah, seven I think or he's eight, won so right seven there. times at Bay Hill, so there will be um, no no surprises out there for Tiger. He's going to be able to go out there, really put his game to the test in a place he knows. I mean, he knows Augusta just as well, so I'm sure. Um, this buildup for him is one that he's used to. Bay Hill, practice, Augusta. And yeah. I think that he wanted to put himself in that the routine in that, sort that he's of so routine, familiar to. that yeah. swing of things to, to try and make this comeback as normal as he can, you know, make it feel as normal as he can. So um, it's going to be an exciting few weeks for golf fans, for Tiger fans, because I was, you know, staying on Twitter on Saturday, Sunday, seeing what people were saying as well. And a lot of people who you don't see tweeting on Sundays about golf who are tweeting mm-hmm. about Tiger. And um, I think that uh, this point of the sporting cycle, I know things are starting to pick back up with March Madness, but you have that little dead period right there where you need a Tiger Woods to fill that gap. Now, now did I use the eyeball emoji correctly when I, when I said we get to talk about Tiger today to start? Was, um, that, was that the correct usage? You're my go-to for these things. Not really. Like Eyeball emoji is usually like when you see a tweet that you want to – that you want to gain attention, that you want to like put out there, but it wasn't and, like, get totally other people's off. attention. It wasn't totally off. Okay, like, so, eyeball, I mean, I was in the ballpark. Yeah, yeah, okay. you're in the you're in the eyeball park. Okay, I'll take that. <laughs> Moving on, <laughs> but uh, any any last? I've rarely ever been speechless by from a joke a or one. a pun that, that you've made. One. That one actually left me speechless, speechless okay. with how terrible it was. Well, I apologize. Apologize there. Um, um, I, I, I will I, not apologize for my Tiger fandom. Uh, I so. did, uh, that you don't have to apologize for. I'd never ask. I, I, I think the one thing that was I, I wanted to bring up from the weekend, though, that wasn't Tiger was actually I looked back and then you saw the stats from Paul Casey after he was done, and he had mm-hmm. twenty-one putts on Sunday. Yeah, that's that's he a way only to get putted it done. twenty-one times, and that is just. I mean, I know he, he needed some help, and and the people behind him didn't really make many moves, but. The fact that he was able to only use the putter 21 times and put himself in that position was just an unbelievable. You, you got to give the man some credit whether you like him. Oh, no, I know he's a little, bit, a little vanilla. He and I was also shocked here. That was his first win on tour in 10 years. He's a name that I've always you know, you always see up there. I feel like in the top 15, yep. top 20 in majors, and you just figure he's won some along the road here. He, that's his first win in 10 years. Yeah, and I think it's only his sixth win on the PGA Tour, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. Yeah, which is like that. shocking to me because yeah, he, so he's a name you always see. Always in striking distance. Um, definitely seems more comfortable on the European Tour. But uh, a couple of those putts, not to discredit the crazy statistic, but a couple of those putts did come from the fringe, and those don't go. I know he holds. Fair I think on 13, he made a birdie putt from the fringe or something like that. So those will always swing those stats a little bit. But a fantastic performance holding off some really big names there. No one really made the push that they needed to. Now, before we move on, Matt, I need you to paint the picture for me, and I'll do the same. Terrible Seven, artist. 17 rolls around. Where are you watching? What's the reaction when Tiger drops the 44-footer? I was just – I was jaw on the floor. I had not There been. was no – okay, so you're, are you laying on couch? Are you sitting I, on I, couch? I was sitting on the couch. I, I, I had uh, – I was actually – it was multitasking. Okay. Um, I was I was playing Call of Duty on one screen and had golf on the other, and uh, yeah, yeah, I, put, I, I, I put one on pause for Tiger when, when he was <laughs> when he was walking up. But you know, there, there's some downtime in, time in golf where you can get some gotcha. you know, some work done elsewhere where they're walking their shots. But when he hit that, I don't I I was absolutely speechless. And then after a second, I kind of threw my arms up and gave a big yeah. But like, nice. I was I was speechless for a while. I just I. It was almost like you, you resigned to it being done, and granted, he ended up not winning. But I was kind of just assumed, like, well, you know, it was a nice run, and it was nice to have that bit of ex- like Tiger excitement, yeah. even though it didn't lead to a win. We still didn't really get that Tiger moment. Oh no, there was that charge. It was that. It was that, and that kind of gave us gave you the Tiger moment that we haven't yeah. had since probably he still hit the flagstick at Augusta that one time, and then that ended up not even counting. Still, still electric. Still mm-hmm. awesome stuff. And uh, how about you? My, Where were you? Were you? Were you my at work? personal experience. I had just I had been at work 
So I got to work, um, I think, around hole 13, something like that. So now like the that. whole newsroom knows how you feel about Tiger? Well, this is the best part <laughs> of it, is that I'm the, the sports department's on one side of the newsroom, and it's a big newsroom. So I'm sitting there watching it on my monitor, and um, he hits it, and I give a, a audible scream of, let's go, and a stand-up fist pump, like it was all, it was all in one motion. Let's go, stand-up fist pump. But the best part about it was, on the complete other side of the newsroom, one of our photographers did the same exact thing <laughs> in sync with me. He was watching it on another TV over there, and we both gave a "Let's go!" and like <laughs> fist pump. And when we both came out of our like white noise that we had just screamed into mm-hmm. our ears, we like pointed to each other across the room, like "Let's go!" So I had a. I had a uh, a tiger fan in arms there in the in the newsroom. So was, you know, as much as the hours and you know, the working nights is not too fun in, in our line of work, Joe. The the ability to watch sports at work and be able to actually go nuts and be happy about it is, is actually yeah. a, it's a nice little perk. Yeah, it's a very very good times, very good times. Um, tiger just just building bridges. It's in, it's what in, he does. It's what the man. I mean, not always, but it's what he does now. <laughs> Uh, I stopped myself. And with that, let's move on to a little NFL free agency, Matt. Obviously, we start off at Hallis Hall. Some big moves this morning. Uh, Allen Robinson going to be going to be a bear um, by all by all stretches. It sounds like they're they're three years, forty-two million was the uh, was the number I saw with about I think sixteen of it guaranteed. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Eagles tight end Trey Burton Burton as well. Uh, expected to sign a four-year deal per ESPN. So uh, some signings, some things happening. Um, Was I hoping that the Bears would answer the wide receiver question with a guy coming off an ACL injury? Not so much. Um, Was I hoping that the Bears would sign a backup tight end uh, behind Zach Ertz, but a guy who got a lot of time in Philadelphia after just drafting a behemoth of a man that was supposed to be their tight end for the future, not so much. Matt, you're gonna you're gonna tell me all about um, Nagy and how he has multiple tight end systems, and I'm not gonna listen. But you don't have to. What are, what are, what are your what are your initial feelings on these two signings? I, I mean, think if if Allen Robinson can come back at full Allen Robinson, it's a great signing. But that's a huge if. It is a huge if, but the the thing is, it's not. It's a three year deal and all that, but it's not. As we know with NFL contracts, I've said it a million times, not all of it's you know guaranteed and all that. But th- their option was this off season. Was they pretty much they they had to come away with one of the bigger names at wide receiver. They had to go out and get Trubisky some help. And would you have preferred Sammy Watkins, who is yeah, sure he's not coming off an ACL, but he's a guy who rarely plays a full season. Who I think in his best year last year had something like five hundred receiving yards on um, a. The number of receptions is, is losing me right now, but he's only around 530 receiving yards. I think he had single-digit touchdowns, and he got something like $30 million guaranteed or something from Kansas mm-hmm. City. So um, I, I think this is a nice signing. I think Allen Robertson's younger than Kevin White at this point. I know he's coming off an ACL, but we an ACL injury isn't what it used to be. People come back from that and a lot of times come back absolutely. even better. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not that I'm saying I expect him to come out and you know have – 1400 yards 14 TDs like he did in 2015 but he's been a constant producer all three of his years in Jacksonville and he had the one last year where he wasn't and he was out all year but I think this is a great move and gives him a legitimate chance to have a number one wide like a true number one wide receiver on the roster yeah and I hope that that is the case and we're not dealing with another Kevin White situation where we can't get a guy back on the field I really hope that this doesn't make them feel like they're answer like they've answered all the questions at wide receiver if calvin ridley's still on the board at eight and you don't intend to move back draft calvin ridley if if there are other wide receivers in the draft that you see serviceable in rounds three to five go get another wide receiver like Allen robinson does not settle the case at wide receiver for the bears I, that's I, how bad the bears were at wide i receiver. totally totally agree with you and i don't think there's anybody in chicago in that building who anyone listening to talk radio this morning who believes that i think they just see this as a very nice first step that, it, that is a guy who very well could be your wide receiver number one going forward for the next few years i yeah, still, I, I don't i don't think you're going to see them take one at number eight even if that is calvin ridley because i think this uh, this receiver draft is pretty deep, and I uh-huh. think there's a lot of talent to be had in rounds two, three, four. I know I, I, they don't currently have a pick in round three right now, but that's you know something that can change. 
Equinemius, uh, perhaps. Day, obviously, it, that that's that's a name that has been if shooting up, drops. Yeah, he's been shooting up boards, and I, I, obviously, there's a connection. Obviously, Harry Heastan didn't coach him here, but he's a guy who would know him, having worked with the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he'd be a very nice fit here as a guy in that second round. Christian Kirk's a guy who's probably going to be there when they're picking in the second round. Uh, Cortland Sutton out of SMU is a guy who might also be there as well. So th- there are names here in the second round where I don't really want them mm-hmm. to reach for Ridley at eight because I do think while they do have a glaring need at wide receiver still, um, I, I think there's other needs and more talented players to be had at that position. And I still think that you can add as, as much as Kendall Wright is not a number one wide receiver by any means, standards, whatever. I think Kendall Wright, has a, I think he's a very solid asset in the slot. And I think yeah. he proved it at the end of the year last year. And I think if you get some talent around him, you bring mm-hmm. back a guy like Kendall Wright and have him as, you, as your slot receiver. You have a Cam Meredith coming back. I know it's not this the smartest thing in the world to have you know be featuring two wide receivers with ACL injuries. Then you got to go out and get one more. But I, I, I think coming back with that group, if if Meredith and Robinson come back at full health, I think you have a solid wide receiver core, nowhere near a top mm-hmm. rated top ten NFL you know weapon group, whatever you want to call them. But this team was league it was was league worst. You know, bottom five, whatever you want to call them offensively last year. And if you can get them to progress up to league average with what that defense did last year, if they could be a league average offense with league average production from you know their, their wide receivers, Mitch Trubisky takes another step. This team can beat a lot of teams with the way they played last year as long as they just take that small step forward, I think, because they were right there with a lot of good teams last year. Yeah, and I, I just want to see them make all the right moves, which, which brings me to us to our next signing here with uh, Trey Burton. And I, I just, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me if they have come to the realization that Adam Shaheen doesn't fit the new scheme that well and they had to go out and get a tight end, then perfect. I, I agree with what they're doing. But if this is just a we want to backstock tight ends type move, I'm not sure I understand it. I, I, I just, I think they're two different <coughs> players. I think what Trey Burton does is a little bit more versatile. I think he can line up as more of a receiver type who's a little bit more of a pass catching guy. I know Adam Shaheen is, is have been having trouble blocking, but he's a bigger guy who can line up with his hand in the dirt and all that stuff. He's a lot more of a red zone threat, whereas I think they see Trey Burton as more of the complete process. And you couldn't come into this year with just Adam Shaheen. They yeah, didn't want, they, they weren't going to bring Deion Sims back. He was absolutely awful last year. Um, Zach Miller, as much as anybody would have loved to have him completely healthy and back, we're wondering if he'll ever play football again, so he's not going to be back. They had to go out and make make a move, and why? I didn't see guaranteed money on Trey Burton yet, so I, I don't know how long they're actually locked into that Let's deal. See if I could find something, yeah. But if you have a guy who can go out and be an impact player on your offense, in an offense that uses multiple tight ends, I know you don't want to buy into that theory at all whatsoever, and that's okay, that's your right. But an offensive system that uses a couple tight ends, you need depth at every position. You need if a guy's a playmaker, a guy's a playmaker. And I, it, Trey Burton did it in small sample size, getting lost being the shuffle behind Zach Ertz a little bit, but he was a very effective player in Philly last year. And he's a guy who knows how to win, who can do a lot of different things for you. Yeah, and you make a good point there with building depth, and I know it's not really the first thing on a Bears fan's mind right now because there are so many surface issues as opposed to depth. But if you can build depth at a position, uh, good on them. Um, another free agent signing that I'd like to highlight here, sure. Chicago Naperville native, uh, Cam Brake. He got getting, paid. Getting a payday out in Tampa. God bless. Um, hashtag Paperville. Um, getting get <laughs> money out there. Forty, I think it was or six, six years, years 41. Six years, 41 million, uh, around 18 guaranteed. Yeah, I was so, going to say close to 20 guaranteed, I think. I said. That's you, give that type, you give that type of money to a uh, Harvard graduate economics major, and uh, I think, uh, I think we're, we're in a good place financially. I think, I, that's, uh, I think that's a good idea right there. you got to wonder <laughs> if, he, if he lasts the, the whole six years the in that duration, deal just yeah. because they drafted O.J. Howard last year mm-hmm. and – Unless he becomes a bust, it's going to be hard for them to not, you know, re up with their first round pick that they invested a lot but into. Yeah, but hey, he's going to get paid for they, the next few years. Yeah, he, he, three years, he, he's at least lasting half this contract, and that's a lot of money. He's got eighteen of they, it guaranteed. Even if they want to go a different direction, they got to try and move that contract. Then mm-hmm. you know, all that guaranteed money, and he's um, he's the, he's a guy who's been battling for this contract and battling for. His kind of his place on the roster for the last 
five years now. I'm not with, sure there's a more I underrated was, tight end in football than Cam absolutely, Brady, it was, what he did with that offense that was two was years always, ago. He was always supposed to be the backup behind Safarian Jenkins, mm-hmm. and then that doesn't work out, but Cam's there making plays. And last year he's there making plays, and I think finally – to have that hard work respected and rewarded um, good on him out in Tampa Bay. So good stuff from a Chicagoland native, a friend of friends of the podcast. I think that's how that works. He's, he's a friend of a friend. Fr- friend of a friend of the podcast. Friend of a friend me, makes him a friend of the podcast. I think <laughs> there that's you go. how it works, right? Yeah, that's the, that's the transverse pro- podcast of or transverse property of podcasting is what that is. Now, now Joe, I, I told you I had the NFL Network running here just in case. We got some, some breaking. Some sort of break. We do have some breaking news. I, I don't see terms uh, in terms of money. But the Vikings are expected to sign Kirk Cousins to a fully guaranteed three-year contract. So it's only three years, and I believe I saw something close. To, one of the reports was like 25 to 28 per, but it will be all guaranteed for Kirk Cousins, which I, I think that's the first one, baseball, first money. big money contract in just about NFL history, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, that's big time. And three years guaranteed money coming off of those franchise tags, I think uh, all's well in the Cousins camp. Yeah. Um, obviously, he, with those two tags, I think he was a little bit more felt a little bit more okay taking less term if he was willing to, if he was able to get fully guaranteed money because he's basically oh, gotten his get, money yeah. in the last couple of years. Yeah, if you can get that full, fully guaranteed money, God bless. Mm-hmm. Um, and, rather than signing a big ten year contract with half of it guaranteed, yeah. um, I think that uh, that leaves him a whole nother contract, and it, he's going to be negotiating in twenty twenty two for another contract. And who knows how high the quarterback salaries are going to be in 2022. So if he keep playing good football, sets himself up for another $100 million. So, now, I know we're um, going to get into it a little bit. Tough, with, mazel tov there to, to Kirk. But, I, uh, I know you're going to get I'm into it. I'm not thrilled that he's I'm not thrilled that he's coming to the division. He's a great quarterback. Say, I, I it's I another great quarterback there. we have to deal with in the division. I hate seeing him there. But that said, it, in terms of you know the Vikings, and if I were a Vikings fan, I would just be – absolutely in love with this move Oh, absolutely! because last year was a great story the defense was fantastic case keenum had a cinderella type year but with what he's getting paid out in denver now i know we'll touch on that a little bit he wasn't worth what the you you couldn't bank on case keenum coming back and doing that again next year i I don't think because we've seen enough of a career sample size someone is and we we, someone is and we will get to that joe and that's what we call a tease in the business now you're giving away the tease by expressing your opinion too early um but the the vikings basically saw they, they didn't rest on their laurels from last year and basically say well you know We'll be back. You know, we're we'll bringing back the same team. Case will be good again. No, they, they went out. They saw an opportunity to better themselves. They went out and took it. I really respect that because a lot of times in sports, I think you get teams who get a little bit complacent with what they have and say, well, you know, it's, it worked for us last year. It's probably a little bit easier to just bring back this guy instead of going out and taking a chance. And they're taking a chance, paying Kirk Cousins a fully guaranteed money, but, but, but doing what on paper puts them in a much better spot than it did last year. And they were pretty yeah. darn good last year. Yeah, it, it really does, and uh, it, it's a it's a scary team in the division, and it's going to be two tough games for the Bears. And uh, it's just unfortunate timing for them that they're doing this right when the Bears are starting to be back. So, yeah, but the Bears are going to have to beat a lot of teams to to make it to the playoffs. Not not only their divisional rivals. So, um, do you, do you where do you see the Bears? It, it obviously, I don't. I, none of us think they're done. We don't know where they're they're going to do in the draft or the rest of free agency for that matter with the moves they've made now where, where do you kind of see them in in that division do you, do you see them as a team that could jump past detroit maybe i mean we don't know yeah, what green bay is going to be them. here with aaron i know obviously they have aaron Rodgers, but they haven't really done much else to address that team where, where do you kind of see them in the division obviously minnesota's number one but be, be i see them at, i see them at three in the division i see them behind green bay and behind uh minnesota i still think green bay I don't care if you put Aaron Rodgers out there with the Illinois Wesleyan Titans. He's going to go out there and win football games. Fighting Titans. Aaron Aaron Rodgers coming off of injury, unlike everyone else, you you usually can say, oh, well, it's going to take him a little time to get Mm -hmm. back. He usually comes back off injury better, which is scary. It's not going to take him time to come back. I know this is a broken collarbone on the throwing arm, not the off shoulder, but he was even back playing throwing footballs at the end of the season. So I'm not worried about it. I, I am worried about it. I'm not worried about Aaron Rodgers and his health. He's going to come back. He had an MVP season coming off of his last broken collarbone. So I still think the Packers mentally have an edge on the Bears somehow. And they're going to have to – the only way to address that 
mental edge is to beat them a few times, beat them three straight times, beat them in Lambo, beat them at home, like start to win games against them. Then that mental edge wears off that Aaron Rodgers has over the entire Bears franchise. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what type of mental edge they kind of have now still with almost an entirely new group here coming in. It'll still be there with some of the veterans. I think it's hard to get over that because as fans, obviously, I can't ever picture the Bears going and beating the Packers again with how many times I've seen Aaron Rodgers just absolutely rip our hearts out and even Brett Hundley last year. But I I think I'm kind of with you. I think I see them as being able to jump past Detroit in the division. Minnesota, I think, is going to win that. I think they have a chance to steal a game or two against Minnesota and Green Bay, but I just I think they're going to do this year or on the track to do this year what we thought they might do last year, and that's that's take a nice significant jump, but still kind of fall short there at the end and come up you know seven eight win type season where maybe they flirt with the playoffs for a while, but end up not really being there at the end. Yeah, I, I personally can't wait, Matt, for for that heartbreak. It's going to be fantastic. I, <laughs> makes you feel alive, doesn't it? Before we close up free agency talk here, looks like uh, the Broncos have labeled their man Case Keenum as their franchise quarterback. Um, I don't know the exact terms on the deal, but it sounds like they're coming to an agreement, and I couldn't disagree with it more. I don't know what John Elway and the Broncos front office is doing with the quarterback position over the last few years, but they've done nothing but sign absolute chumps, and not to call Case Keenum a chump, but he rode a fantastic defense to the NFC Championship game last season, and uh, I don't know if he is the answer. I think that you're going to have a Broncos fan base that's still calling for a quarterback at season's end. Joe, aren't you asking me about this in Buy or Sell? Um, did I? Yeah. Is that? Okay, yeah. well, that's my thoughts on it. We'll, we'll get You'll to get later mine in later in the podcast. Beautiful. Matt, why don't you hit the music? I got a grievance. All right. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind, because I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, Matt, to spare everyone the details, everyone's seen it, everyone watched it. Um, the selection committee got it wrong. And I'm not talking about the selection show. I'm talking about the actual teams in the tournament. Uh, You get Oklahoma in, Oklahoma State out, Penn State out, Nebraska out. There were teams with resumes that when you put them side by side, it just didn't make sense how the committee picked teams or how they seeded teams. Arizona ended up with a four seed after what they did down the stretch. You have an Oklahoma team that didn't win a road game in the year of 2018. They've lost something like eight of their last... 11 of 14. 11 of their last 14, and they're 18 and 13 on the season. They're in the tournament. And you have teams like Nebraska who have 13 Big Ten wins on the outside looking in. My grievance, without getting into all the crazy numbers and all the side-by-sides, is strictly with the NCAA once again getting things wrong. I don't know how they continue to fall on their faces like this, Matt. Uh, Joe, I'm I'm with you. I think you named a lot of different cases there. Yeah, You brought up a bunch of the ones I wanted to. I thought uh, USC was a two-seed in the Pac-12, goes to to the conference final, conference tournament. I I think they lost by double digits to Arizona. But that was a close game until DeAndre Ayton, with about four minutes left, just decided to win the game, and he did. Um, Arizona State, I think, finished fifth in that conference, sixth in that conference, had an under 500 record in the Pac-12, and they're in over USC. Uh, Syracuse in over Notre Dame, even though Syracuse, they have similar records. RP, uh, I think the RPI is a little bit in Syracuse's favor. But similar records, Notre Dame won on the road at Syracuse. Even Louisville, to that extent, I thought had a little bit more of a case than Syracuse did. And o- Oklahoma is just the egregious one to me because that one, the writing is so clearly on the walls that they did it as a money grab so they can have a big-time name and Trey Young in the tournament. Yeah, uh, and there's, there's literally no other reason for Oklahoma to be in that tournament over Oklahoma State, over Louisville, over Notre Dame, over U.S., any of those. You, you can't lo- – I, I know we have to – consider the whole schedule joe and not just what happened at the end of the year but, but that's important you still have to, that's what i that's what i'm getting at. Yeah. you still have to consider the end of the end of the year what you do down the stretch should hold more weight than the beginning of the year not that the beginning of the year shouldn't count because wins you know on the road versus big time teams should matter but not winning 
11, you're losing 11 out of your last 14. I mean, teams are who they are at the end of the year. That's the realest comparison, or that's the realest image you get of a team is how they're playing at the end of the year because that's what they are right now. Sometimes what they did four months ago, a team's not the same team. And the fact that Oklahoma State hadn't run a, won a road game in this calendar year, they lost Oklahoma State twice. I think they lost the first round of the Big 12 tournament or something like that, if not the second round. They did nothing to earn that bid other than have Trey Young on their team, who, by the way, has kind of sucked down the stretch. Uh, yeah, he's, he, he's, he's shooting like 35 times a game, and that's why he's putting up these big inflated point totals. But he's putting up the ball like 35 – he's taking 35 shots. Joe, if you take 35 shots in a college basketball game – I think you could, could finish with 10 or 15. I was going to say, maybe I'll get 10. I might, I might, yeah, I might sniff I think you'd double, be double digits. digits. <laughs> and you haven't played oh, basketball God. in years. And that's that's 35 shots jacked up from about In a 40-minute game. Yeah. Um, so I, I completely agree with you there. Definitely just a way for them to get a name into the tournament. And to me, it's not that compelling of a character. He doesn't have the... Um, I don't know why the first name that came to mind, but like tournament guy on a team that didn't play what like he's not he doesn't like have, very he's he doesn't not very have the Jimmer for debt. He doesn't yeah. have like the he doesn't have the doesn't have profile. Factor, it he doesn't, doesn't have doesn't the seem like yeah he doesn't have the national profile. I don't think, and whether that's us, you know, downplaying him or not giving him the credit he deserves, I don't know if he's good enough to warrant a bid for an entire team and keeping another team more deserving out of the tournament. Well, don't tell the NCAA or the, you know, the selection committee that because they clearly had some instructions and, and had to go on that. And Oklahoma's dancing for, for whatever reason now. And I don't know who they play in the first round, but I believe I'll be picking against them. There you go. Well, uh, I'll probably be right there with you. How's, how's your bracket, Joe? You got, you got, you got a, you got one filled out? You know, out? I, I got a really, I've filled out, a couple picks here and there, my sure things, but um, my, we're doing a bracket challenge at work, and this is going on air, so I have to really put some time into my picks here. Yeah, you better um, not make a over fool the next yourself. over the next twenty four hours, so I don't end up with my bracket looking how it usually does um, after with, week, with a lot of red lines after through. week one. Yeah, a lot of a lot of red lines. So I'm gonna gonna be just publicly shamed this, this year. Oh, well, you know, uh, we all go through it. Uh, on my bracket, but yeah, we'll survive. Uh, you want to jump a little by yourself? Let's do it. All right, you go first. All right, I got to pull up my question. Oh, uh, Richard Sherman. I, That's I, I, want, I want to call Richard, uh, <laughs> the Richard Sherman deal. Um, yes. Buy, buy or sell the, the deal Richard Sherman got from San Francisco? I'm buying it for a number of reasons. Now, I am in the area and drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit right mm. now on, on the 49ers, but with the way the deal is constructed, it's um, – it's only three years, and I think that's the perfect amount of time for the team to figure out what they have. Um, the only way I see this going wrong is if Richard Sherman cannot come back and play, and he is a detriment to the team in terms of chemistry. Because yeah. you have a team that needs cornerbacks, a team that needs veteran leadership, and you filled both of those needs conceivably with this one move if Richard Sherman can stay on the field you have an all-pro corner and you have a guy who can not only lead the team but lead this defense and lead some of those younger guys on the defense that are going to be playing around him so I really like it especially the fact that you know the Niners pitched you're going to get to play against the Seahawks twice a year here and Richard Sherman wants nothing more than vengeance like this is this is a guy who plays with a chip on his shoulder, always has, and to give him even more reason to want to be in San Francisco and want to do something good for another team against his former team, I think you're getting a guy that's going to play some really good football if he can come back healthy. Now, on, on the other side of that coin, turns 30 years old later this month, coming off a full rupture of an Achilles heel. He is on pace to be ready for camp. He starts running on a treadmill this week, so a lot of factors still yet to go into what type of Richard Sherman you're going to get back for this contract. But I don't want to call it a bargain, but if you get 90% of Richard Sherman back, that's a great deal. But what I love about it, too, is I, I don't know to the exact extent because I don't have the, the article open in front of me, but I was reading about the contract, and apparently Sherman negotiated it all himself. Yeah. Uh, I think it was John Lynch or, or somebody in the 49ers front office who was saying he came in as well prepared as any agent. He had you know comparable contracts from similar production type corners, similar ages, all that stuff. What I love about the deal is that he basically is betting entirely on himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- yeah. This contract is I so incentive based, and it, it, it's he all, gets all of his bonuses. Basically, he makes the Pro Bowl. 
So if he puts in Pro Bowl seasons like he should, both teams are going to benefit from this. He's going or both sides going to benefit. He's going to get money. The Niners are going to get a cornerback who is, at, if not leading, you know, vocally leading yeah. by example and, and producing for them on the field. And it tops out around forty million. It's not. Yes, three years. It's not a hundred. Yeah, it's not a hundred million dollar contract. Yeah. No, it's and, a contract. I'm kind of glad the Bears didn't get into because I, yeah. I don't think they have as much flexibility or as margin for error as the Niners do. Mm-hmm. But I think for San Francisco, I think it's a perfect deal at a perfect time. And like, you, you can't with a guy like Richard Sherman, the way he plays the game, the way he played in Seattle. You cannot underestimate that revenge factor because as much as he loved his time out there and is seemed like a respectful and amicable, you know departure as, as it was mm-hmm. he still got a chip on his shoulder because in the end of the day he was cut he he, he said he kind of knew it was coming said he understands where they're coming from but at the same time he was cut he no athlete likes being cut from a team yeah it, he's gonna do everything in his power to try and make you pay for mm-hmm. for your business decision so um yeah no i like it buy yeah, it do you do what, what how do you feel about fans now burning his jersey now obviously we, we've said not neither of us like the whole burning the jersey but calling richard sherman a traitor and all that stuff i don't yeah, get how people don't like he was cut he didn't ask for his release he didn't leave he was cut he got an offer from the niners he apparently reached out to oakland and detroit and said hey this is the deal i'm getting can you do it or do any better both said no so he took the deal yeah uh, i don't know what what fans are doing in terms of uh burning jerseys and, and i think that's more that's become their own hard feelings not not any hard feelings towards richard sherman i don't yeah. think and and if it is hard feelings towards richard sherman those are people that just don't don't really get it you know the the uh what goes into f- football and what goes into the, those are the why are you running it why are you passing it type fans those are, those are the people that don't really understand the game and what goes into it and what goes into getting players to sign contract contracts and things of that sort so let them burn their jerseys that's just another hundred down the drain all right let's move on <laughs> all right matt we'll buy or sell as i'm looking for it buy or sell the broncos have their guy in case keenum this is a you tough one for feel. me um I don't think Case Keenum is the guy for anyone, um, mm-hmm. so I guess I'll sell it in that regard. I, I do think they are in a better situation than they were last year, okay? Um, because I, I, I think what Case Keenum for, can do for them is is going to be better than what Paxton Lynch or an injured Trevor Simeon or who else did they play? Who else did they play quarterback? Somebody else, the Brock Osweiler, the Brocket ship. Okay, um, I, I think he's better than what they can do. I, the formula Elway, I think, is trying to follow here is the one he had with, with Peyton when they won the Super Bowl. And, and I, I mean, I do think Case Keenum can do some similar things to what Peyton Manning did at the end of his career when he, you know, wasn't that great of a passer. He just kind of managed games and, and relied on the defense. The problem is, I don't think they have that elite defense anymore. I don't think they have a, you know, generationally good defense i don't i don't think they have the best you know they, they don't have a demarcus where they let they just traded in a key to leave i don't think their defense is a good I, I think this maybe makes them a playoff team or at least a team that's competing and not picking number five in the draft uh-huh. but I, I i think they have a lot more work to do uh yeah. I, I don't think this is their their move yeah i i completely agree with you it's not the defense of 2015 or it's still a very good defense but it's not the elite defense that can I mean, that defense was as good as it, – it's up there with yeah. the 2,000 Ravens and, and 85 Bears good yeah. uh, with, with with how it basically just carried offenses. And I, I don't think their defense is that good. I think it's a top 10, top 5 defense in the NFL, but I don't think that's enough with how little they have going for them uh, offensively. And now we have the luxury of having the are we giving Case Keenum enough respect conversation for the next year. So that's uh, – that's staring down the pipe at us because you know, he, he'll, win, he'll win some he'll win some ball games for them just as he did with the just as he did with um he's got his, with with the Vikings but I don't think that it's a it's not a long term answer nor is he a guy that's going to lift your team to another level. Now I'll be interested to see what they do at number five because if it, maybe they do like Case Keenum for a year or two and maybe yeah. they like one of these guys in the draft but they just don't think they're ready to play. Maybe they don't think. Uh, Josh Rosen is ready to step in right away, or Josh Allen, or I don't think Darnold's getting him at five, or even Baker Mayfield. Maybe they want to take one of those guys and see Case Keenum as, hey, look what he did with Jared Goff, uh, you know, for that first year. You know, it's Jared Goff's um, 
you know, starter ahead of him, and, and look how great of a jump Goff took in year two. I, I don't know what they see this as, but I, I agree. think we're both in agreement here. This is not the, the long-term answer at quarterback, but I now, also don't think it's the worst thing in the world. Bonus buy or sell, Ooh. without digging too deep into it here, bonus wow. buy or sell of the big-name quarterbacks, your Mayfield, your Josh Allen, your sure. Rosen, your um, Darnold, um, of those guys, buy or sell in five years – None of them are starting for an NFL football team. I'll sell it. You'll sell it. I'll I mean, just the it. odds um, is smart to sell it, but I don't think, other than Josh Allen and and I, I don't see it in Rosen yet. I like I, don't jo- I, I like Josh Rosen a lot. There's a lot of raw talent there, and while he might not yeah, be but the, maybe it's the he, NFL, you want to see raw talent going into college, not coming. Out I of think college. he's got a lot of raw. I, I think he showed some some polish towards the end of his time at UCLA too. I know people question the, you know, mental side of things and whether he loves football and all that well enough. And that, that's, that's all well and good. But you've seen with guys like Jay Cutler who have that raw talent, who have that raw arm strike, well, they may never live up to the potential. Mm-hmm. There's almost always going to be a spot for them yeah. in the NFL somewhere, somewhere someone willing to take a chance on that, see if they can develop. So I, I do see Josh Rosen as a guy who's starting in the league. I still think Sam Darnold's got a chance to be really good. I just hope he's not starting right away wherever he goes. Yeah. Um, I, I have no idea about Josh Allen. I'm not going to – I don't think he's going to be all that great. I think he's just the your t- prototypical. Can throw Big the arm. ball as far as yeah. you want him to. But, I mean, we, we've seen how that's worked out. And I, I don't know yet about Baker, Baker, Baker Mayfield, excuse me. But those top two names I, I still do like, and I, I think they're both starting somewhere in five years. All right. Hit me. Oh, what did I say? Uh, did I ask you my first? Yeah, I did. Uh, buy or sell the NCAA selection show this year, Joe? You mentioned earlier how much buzz it was causing on Twitter. Um, I'll sell the show, but I'm also selling people's reaction to it. It's just the selection show. Like people do like to overreact. You're not on the team. Settle down. Like it's not. You're not finding out your fate. Yes, you might be finding out your team's fate a little bit differently. But it's about the tournament. It's not about the selection show. Was the selection so fun in the past? Absolutely. Did they screw up a good thing? 100%. But everybody settled down. I get, I, my thing was I, I, they just wasted a lot of my time early on, which I guess that's what these shows are. They're just time wasters. To I knew to it was going to be a waste of time. I didn't watch but a like, minute of it. Well, I looked at the bracket once the seeds came down. Well, I like, had on, it. Again, it was on TV, too, while Call of Duty was on TV one, Oh, Joe. God. Um, <laughs> Uh, but like I just I didn't really need you to read me the in alphabetical order the champion winners like I knew which con- I know they won the conference like that, that's <laughs> that's aware. why in. I, I'm aware yeah. I don't need to see I don't need uh, what I, I'm forgetting uh, Ernie Johnson and uh, Greg Gumbel Brad Gumbel whichever one it was reading me back and forth like the names of people and I, I just they they had a good thing and it seems like they kind of went out of their way to ruin it this year yep yeah as the NCAA does it steps yeah, on they, their own toes so. Um, and you got you got the final four on TBS this year too. So good luck, good luck to all the old people who like watching the game who aren't going to figure out that it's not on CBS until halftime. So, um, do you know what of, channel True TV yet is out there? I have don't. You figure that out. I, have, well, I haven't figured out what ABC is. It's, out it's, here it's yet. the annual. It's the annual game we play every year, Joe. Let's find True TV. And I have AT and T now, UVerse cable, so it's probably channel one thousand twelve hundred seventeen. Oh yeah, like my brother has that, and every time I'm over there trying to change the channel, I forget it's what everything annoying. is. I don't like it. I don't like yeah, it one bit. Me neither. But we deal. You know, this is this is the strife we live with. We Matt, sur- we survive. Buy or sell? There's a big Ooh. one here. Ooh. Ooh. I want to get your opinion. Buy or sell? I don't know if you saw it on the Stephen Colbert show yesterday. Oh, Tom I saw Brady, that. Tom Brady slugging beers. God, it warmed my heart. Buy or sell, Tom Brady will win a chugging contest against any quarterback in the NFL. I would probably sell that. It's stupid. I, I got to think. Stupid. Man's a competitor. Think, I got to think a competitor. there's someone out there who's probably chugging a little bit. I'm Big Ben? Trying to Maybe think Big of, Ben? Big Ben could probably put something down. Big like Ben's that. still got beer face. I won't lie to you. That, <laughs> that, that, that chug Tom had was impressive. Serious? But, uh, I, I think he's, a guy like Big Ben is probably putting it down a little bit quicker. I think a guy like Jake Cutler is probably throwing it down a little bit quicker. I, th- yeah, I, think, but, he, I think he got some... I think you got some still professional drinkers in the NFL probably playing quarterback who might not even be starters, might not be guys that we're even aware of right now. But uh, Cutler, I, Cutler would chug half the beer and then tell you how hard it was. <laughs> could be nice. No, be we're nice. taking shots at Cuddy. We're I love Cuddy. This is, this is a pro-Cuddy podcast. We it established always has that. Been, but the, we established but the stat, that like episode two. The statute of limitations is up. 
We're we're back. We're back. Is he going to end up in a broadcast booth or on a or on a sideline this year? I don't know. It's going to be hard. So uh, you know, broadcast is hard. We don't know if uh, it's going to be hard. So I'm not really sure. Be nice. <laughs> um, all right, Matt. Well, that does it for buy or sell. Uh, nothing out of the mailbag this week. Or we no, do have one. Oh, we do. We do have one out of the mailbag. Let me jump back into uh, my text s- here for a second. Oh, okay. I did not okay. tell okay. you of this one. Oh, God. Um, okay. Well, We're going to tease mailbag here because this deserves some time. This deserves some thought and some time. Uh, one of our listeners out in Colorado, Dan Herman, shout out to shout out Ooh. to D Boy. Um, friend of the podcast, he sent us uh, a question for the mailbag. What is your all-time dream foursome? Pick the course. Any people from history you'd want to fill your four with. Now, so now yourself, can we – I want to make a disclaimer plus three, here. Yourself I, I plus say, three, dead or alive. I want to say let, let's not have family members included, Joe, because no I think family, if, yes, I, if I had one foursome left in my life – I think I'm yes. you know teeing it up with with no these know, are dad and the two brothers famous, but let's, famous let's go people, non-family people of distinction non-family so we're gonna question. we're gonna let that one marinate for the week and we'll hit that one next week on Moose and News 48 um, we'll Love dig that. into that one deep all right Love that sounds good um, well we we do have a special segment here before we say goodbye we do Joe I I it was my shutdown this week uh, okay obviously and I told you I told you one way or another. We're going to preview the Austrian Football League this year. Did I not tell you that? <laughs> you did. And, so what um, I did is I secretly recorded an interview with none other than the brand new Graz Giants offensive coordinator, friend of the podcast, and the former G-Man. associate producer Rob Gallick. <laughs> I, I recorded a, 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 a short interview with uh, with the new OC over there uh, to, to help me shut things down this week. They, they unfortunately were supposed to open this week. Uh, in Bratislava, Slovakia, okay. um, but uh, the game had to be rescheduled because uh, the, the field was was not going to be playable uh, come uh. this weekend. So we got to we got to got to put hold that one off. So but I, I'm selfishly, as you'll hear, I'm a little bit happy. It was supposed to be you know the Sunday after St. Patrick's Day with a 7:30 a.m. local time kickoff, and I don't yeah, think I'd little, have either been awake or if I was football there in Bratislava. <laughs> Luckily for me, that one's not going to be airing, so it's it's gonna they're gonna they're gonna kick off their season next week. But without uh, without further ado, here is uh, the good Doctor Bob Gallick to help me shut things down. Shut it down. Shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Houston, we have shut down. I've seen enough. Shut it down. Well, for my shut it down this week, I said I was going to get it on the airwaves one way or another. Figured the best way to do that was to go behind Joe's back and record an interview by myself with none other none other than friend of the podcast, former associate producer, and now offensive coordinator of the Project Spielberg Gross Giants, the one and only Rob Gallick. Rob, how are you doing this morning? Or I guess afternoon there? Afternoon? Uh, yeah, afternoon. It's about uh, three o'clock here. So uh, very thankful that you threw the Project Spielberg in there. You know, sponsors are important. So mm-hmm. Project someone's got to pay the bills. Giants, so. If Project Spielberg's looking for some international investments, uh, you, know, to, you can give them my contact info. Uh, uh, yeah, definitely got to do what we can't help on the broadcast. <laughs> well, Rob, it's, it's good to be back uh, Mike's side with you in this one. It's a, it's a little bit different of a capacity. I'm interviewing you instead of you being my color guy. Um, <laughs> why, don't you, uh, why don't you lead off here and just give us a little bit of a preview of what to expect from the, uh, from the Graz Giants this year and the, uh, the AFL as a whole. Uh, yeah, so it should be, a, should be a great year this year. Uh, coming back, we got a, a good group of a, a core guys coming back here who have been some veterans with the uh, with the Giants. Uh, but overall, we, we're getting back with a team that's got a little bit of chip on the shoulder. The uh, the Giants last year had a very promising start to the year. Unfortunately, had some injuries late. Ended up getting knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. But uh, coming back, we got our lucky enough we're able to have three import players, so three Americans on our roster. So. Uh, we're lucky to have back Brandon Gorsuch, who's our, our uh, starting quarterback, returned and actually came out here as a player coach, took over halfway through the year and really uh, really hit the ground running. But uh, he's lucky enough to have him out of South Dakota. And uh, two other of our imports, Brian Moreno, who's a cornerback out of L.A., uh, played ball at a college ball at Western Oregon, and then uh, Tony Godbolt, who's from South Carolina. So uh, being able to have a corner and then a safety helping out our defense to really uh, – uh, be able to get this team over the edge, and uh, things are looking good so far. We've had a great camp. Uh, unfortunately, just had a, a little bit of a, a rescheduling. We've had some tough weather in Austria, so our first round, our first week game, first Bratislava's, unfortunately, been rescheduled, which we were supposed to play this week. So, 
uh, looking forward to the uh, the Dragons coming back here next week. Well, selfishly, I'm a little bit okay with that one because I don't think me waking up the, the eight o'clock the seventh the day after St. Patrick's Day was gonna was gonna realistically happen. Um, but nonetheless, uh, it, that's got to be unfortunate for you guys to have to deal with uh, you know game planning for probably two weeks now because you know you always game plan for that first opponent a little bit longer to only have all that work basically go to waste. Yeah, so it's 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 a little different, but I mean that's like we've always been saying since I've been out here. That's life in the AFL. You got to expect the unexpected and things like that happen. And uh, naturally, I'm out here for, for what seems to be Austria's coldest and snowiest winter of all time. So well, it makes you feel uh, you right know, at home. Take that, but uh, yeah, you know it did help with the transition. But uh, what is nice is that being able to start off with the Dragons, they are a team that's been playing in the AFL, whereas. Bratislava, they were actually coming up from a lower division. The, the AFL, Austrian League, has so, uh, very similar to kind of a relegation system. So uh, coming off a, uh, a Division One championship, so now they're playing in our, our Austrian Football League at the uh, the pro level. So uh, it was a little bit of a little bit of a challenge, not really knowing what to expect. Whereas the Dragons, we've got a lot more film on them. That we actually played them in the wild card game last year and and two times in the regular season. So we got a little right. bit more information on them. So makes it a little bit easier of a transition, but it is tough to kind of lose uh, two weeks of game plan in there for us. Well, you talked about life in the AFL, so why don't you tell us a little bit? I know you obviously have some coaching experience over here in high school over at St. Rita, so uh, give, give us a little bit of the, the differences coaching uh, like coaching life in the AL, a, AFL excuse me, versus coaching life in the uh, Chicago Catholic League. Uh, yeah, so I think one of the biggest things, and it's definitely the, uh, it's very much set up like a college program. A lot of these guys are taking classes during the day and they are working full-time jobs. So uh, being able to have the opportunity, we're practicing late at night, a couple times a week and being able to have Saturday or Sunday games. So uh, you don't have as much contact with them throughout the day, but these guys are really committed. They know that uh, this is something that's important to them and they have guys who are showing up and are putting in the hours and finding ways to, to go work out during their class schedule or work schedule or anything like that. So uh, being able to, to kind of uh, get over some of the bumps and bruises that they have without their normal schedule. But on top of it, it's just really a growing sport out here. It's a lot of emphasis. Every team really puts a lot of emphasis on their youth development. Uh, like within our club, we have our AFL team. We also have a, a D2 team, which is very similar to like a JV team. Uh, we also have a, and then there's an under 17, under 15, under 13, and then an under 11 flag football team. Not to mention a, uh, a women's league that's out here, a women's team. So uh, very much set up. It's it's like a soccer club, a lot of things that they do here. So there's a lot of different moving parts within the club. But uh, really, it's just a lot of youth development. And the, the sport's grown like crazy out here with uh, teams having Super Bowl parties at a 5 p.m. start in the U.S. I mean, that's not a uh, that's a midnight start that's, out that's here. It's late over there. Like Six o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So uh, it's something there's NFL's broadcast out here every Sunday. So it's just really a growing sport like crazy. Well, Rob, that is uh, it's, it's good to hear things are going well out there. I, I would ask you for a game preview, but obviously we, we don't have one for this weekend. Uh, maybe we'll get something from you, uh, something down the line here. But so, so Project Spielberg, that's a that's a casino, right? correct uh no project spielberg it's actually like a it's a formula one racing team but our oh. booster of the year is the uh, casino grat so okay <laughs> that's where i was talking about okay as, as many kind of sponsored name jobs like, hey, so that, that's all right I just get in here casino now i know you probably can't officially comment on some of this stuff but casino grats they have a you know like a sports book over there uh, well, sportsbooks are different. Those, those are pretty common. There's a lot of, uh, uh, unfortunately, I don't think we're sponsored by any sportsbooks, so I don't want to give out okay. any uh, That's all. I'm just unnecessary, fair enough. Uh, unnecessary I'm just saying, you know, uh, promotions us, for anybody. But Some of us over here stateside are looking for places to uh, to bet the over in, in Grouts Giants games this, this upcoming uh, spring. I won't say who, I won't name any names, but we've gotten some, it, it's totally not just myself. We've gotten some people that definitely want to bet the over. I know you can't probably comment on that stuff, so I won't ask you to, but uh, really. <laughs> really happy you were able to uh to check in with us this morning i know a lot of people over here um were probably wondering what's going on over there uh, would would have liked an update to hear from you i know i certainly wouldn't uh it's it's nice to hear you're doing well um i look forward to uh to making that visit out there towards the uh towards the end of your guys season and hopefully catch you guys in the austria Bowl. yeah absolutely well uh we're excited for a great year and definitely looking forward to uh uh, keeping in contact and, and let you know how, how things are going throughout the year. So thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate uh, it. Of course, buddy. That was uh, Project Spielberg, Graz Giants offensive coordinator Rob Gallick. Rob, thanks for joining us again, buddy. Really appreciate it. 
Joe, there you have it. Um, Rob, <laughs> Rob sat down with me actually twice. We recorded that interview twice because we did it one before uh, the, the game was canceled. Then this morning, gotcha. I, I got a text from him saying, you know, bummed out it was canceled. So I gave him the opportunity to hop on. Hey, nothing um, like a little bit more prep time for the boys. You know, get and, the boys ready for their first game. You know, I, I'm not sure he said it in the in the second one or the first one, but he did make the point that we we, we are a podcast that is willing to talk football whenever, wherever. That's and I think that story. I think that interview. Uh, I think that interview said it all. We're still looking for our Austrian betting site where we can gamble say, on Graz Giants games. And, you know, I'm still waiting for my Graz Giants hat. I need a hat yeah. or a t-shirt or something. You know, a quarter, he's, still, he's still waiting on something. They, they just got a new sponsor, okay. um, which which we touched champion, on. Champion, hopefully? It's not champion. They, they're, they're, they're a new title sponsor, Joe. They, gotcha, they gotcha. Uh, full jersey sponsor. If it's sponsor. champion, though, if it's champion, I'm, I'm begging for some champion socks. Yeah. Um, but they, they, they just got their new title sponsor, so they're getting some new logos and still waiting on some stuff. But I fully expect uh, some Moose and Runes gear to be sent out at some point. Absolutely. And all joking aside, best of luck to Rob out there calling the plays, getting the boys ready. Uh, looking forward to see what he can do abroad. Should be a good time for him, they're, as it always is for us. They're going to be a fun offense. I've, I've seen some of their film a little bit. I, I know exactly what he's trying to run. They're they're gonna they're gonna air get the it ball out. to Musso. They're just gonna get the ball. Joe, just get you the ball would to you would love being a receiver in this offense. <laughs> Chuck you it would up, baby. absolutely love it. Maybe you Chuck should fly out there and play for him for a year. Uh, I'm a little sore, so I'm just gonna stick the podcast. Yeah, I'm sore just thinking about television. It. Yeah. All right, Matter. Well, that's going to do it for episode 47 of the Moose and Runes podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening. We are now on Google Play as well as iTunes and SoundCloud. Hit us up everywhere. Like it, follow it, share it, do whatever you got to do. We appreciate you guys, Matt. I appreciate you. Hopefully, we have a good week here and, and you know get some marinating on that mailbag question because I think we could have a good time with that one. Yeah, I think it'll be a great way to, uh, to wrap up episode 48 next week. All right. We'll talk to you soon, Matter, and we will talk to you soon, Moose and Runes listeners. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. (laughs) Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.